What top security threats are U.S. banking institutions focused on for 2014? And in what types of technologies do they plan to make their biggest investments? Here, Wayne Dunn, Chief Technology Officer of Harbor One Bank, a $1.9 billion institution in New England, shares his top fraud concerns for the coming year. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Wayne, as I mentioned in the introduction, we're going to be talking about top security trends for 2014. What would you say are your top security plans and concerns for the coming year? We're all familiar by this point with the various regulations we're governed by, and, and it's a never-ending battle to you know, continue to improve and, and address what we've already done. So for Harbor One, it's really building on some of the things we've already put in place. So as an example, from a, an infrastructure perspective, it is adding pieces to uh, what we've already done, for instance, in our, our VLAN environment, adding you know, platforms that continue to assist in segregating and quarantining traffic that may be suspicious in nature, as an example, to be able to limit. You know, we deal a lot with third parties in terms of assistance with various platforms or implementing new platforms, new systems here at the bank. So it's our ability to effectively monitor that traffic and to be able to segregate that traffic to specific systems. Those are some of the things we're looking at next year. From an external perspective, the concerns are always around implementations of services that benefit our customers, especially our business customers. So it's making sure that our implementation and security around things like remote capture for our business customers done in a way that mitigates risk. The mobile offerings we have and ensuring that uh, mobile offerings are secure for our customers, both consumers and our business customers. Uh, those are the kinds of things in general that you know we're really focusing on next year. When you touched on regulation, could you go into a little bit more depth about some of the security policies and strategies that you're most concerned about? You know, again, with some of the new guidelines coming out around electronic banking and around our electronic banking offerings for our business customers, a good example of the types of things that we, we will struggle with next year, and I think many institutions will, are the types of requirements that, that are being brought to bear around risk assessing uh, business customers using our offering. That's something we all certainly want to do, but we all struggle with what's the best way to approach that to meet requirements, but without being so invasive that we're being so selective with business customers, being so invasive that uh, they don't want to do business with us. That's the type of guideline and and regulation that really we tend to struggle with. I mentioned things like remote capture and ensuring that that's you know, properly implemented. The other thing that you know, comes to bear is how we address education of our customers in terms of you know, making sure that they're doing everything they can to protect their information because although we can go ahead and set up guidelines or set up various education seminars and so on and so forth. It's very tough, obviously, to do anything to ensure that these things are being enforced. We only have so much latitude and so much control over things that are external to us. Same thing is true of our partners. And vendor management comes to the forefront more and more because, again, making sure that we're doing all the due diligence we can possibly do is one thing. Making sure we follow all the guidelines is another, but again, 
only so much control in terms of being able to really get behind the covers and monitor and ensure that you know, our partners are doing what, what they need to do in terms of protecting information. It's, it's something that we you know, do everything possible within our power to do, but again, we only have so much control. You mentioned third parties. How much attention is your institution focusing on contracts, for instance, with third parties to ensure that there's some type of protection there if a breach does occur and expose customer data? a great deal of attention. We've spent the last two years, and again, the vendor management program is actually the responsibility of our senior vice president of operations. We work very closely hand-in-hand -hand on that, as well as many other programs here. Um, but we've, over the last two years, we've built a very strong vendor management environment and program and continue to build on that every year. So new vendor due diligence, incumbent vendor due diligence is something that's addressed on a regular basis. We have an operational risk committee that we convene every quarter. And prior to convening that committee, information is sent out to all the business owners in terms of where their due diligence stands, where contracts stand, and so that that's constantly being monitored. And we have also improved our uh, process and due diligence where contracts are concerned, again, as you mentioned, you know, protection of data, viability uh, of the organization, ensuring that wherever possible we can get exposure to business continuity and disaster recovery plans of our partners. You know, those are all things that more and more we are trying to enforce. Again, we're somewhat limited in terms of, of what we can push on, but wherever we can, we're making sure that we ask those questions and we get as much information as legally can be provided to us. Uh, when we enter into contracts with our partners. What types of third-party risks are you most concerned about? Is it card data being exposed? Is it personally identifiable information, or is it something else? No, no. I mean, you hit, obviously, the big ones. But, you know, again, more and more as people look to doing more services in the cloud, it's also the organization's information, confidential information that comes into play as well. But, but it really, you hit the nail on the head in terms of the ones that are you know, certainly at, at the forefront of what we think about every day. One of the things that's happening in the industry now, of course, is the uh, movement towards what, what we call our branch of the future. And that branch of the future, basically, it's in many ways getting people out from behind their desk in the branches and being able to service customers through new types of devices, whether they're tablets, digital uh, walls, and so on and so forth. What we've done over the past year and what many institutions are doing, they're implementing wireless technologies to accommodate that. We've done that this year, and that's one of the other things that we're going to continue to focus on in terms of security you know, next year and the year after, because in order to provide those types of services, we need a wireless environment. So what we've done over the past year and what we continue to do is improve the security around that, not only in terms of IDS, IPS, but just in terms of porting and early alerting and things of that nature. One of the key focuses we've had this year is to bring in an outside firm not only to do you know vulnerability scans, but to do regular penetration testing, not only of the regular network, but we focused on that wireless network this year. Yeah, no, that's a great point, Wayne. And it's something that comes to mind when you mentioned this so-called branch of the future is some of the concerns surrounding BYOD, better known as bring your own device. <laughs> is that an issue here? 
No, we've made a conscious decision not to go, you know, certainly for the internal network, that would be a concern, but we are not doing bring your own device. Only authorized device on the internal network. You know, we're an iPhone shop in terms of mobile phone. And one of the reasons we went in that direction was that we were able to apply our policies for locking down those devices, encrypting those devices, protecting those devices, so that only certain devices are allowed devices. Even with the wireless and the internal network, obviously we have a mix of devices, including laptops. And our wireless network locks it down, not only in terms of network login and password, but it must be a device that's recognized in our environment in order to be able to even connect to the network. You touched on cloud vendors in some of the discussion about third-party risks, but what specific concerns do you have when it comes to working with cloud vendors? And are you working with any cloud providers at this point? We are and have been, and in fact, quite honestly, you know, that term is so broad that sometimes people think of it as something totally brand new. So as an example, our core systems provider, that's a hosted environment. So technically, that's a private cloud in this case. We've always taken the approach here that we want to balance between what we do from a hosted perspective and an on-premise perspective. We want to do hosted where it makes sense and on-premise where it makes sense. So as an example, our lending origination system is a hosted system. And that makes sense because it provides better capabilities, not only for our originators, but also in the sense that third parties that connect to that environment, we have much better functionality and features offered to us going in this hosted way. We can certainly minimize the amount of staff it takes to maintain systems by going in a hosted way when it does make sense. The flip side of that, of course, is, as I mentioned before, visibility, making sure that you have appropriate visibility to the controls that that third-party vendor has in place to ensure protection of your data. So, And that starts early on in our selection process, which includes detailed risk assessment. It includes asking all of the questions about what do we have access to, what do you have access to, how are you segregating our information on your platform from other institutions, what platforms do you use, what's the disaster recovery plan or business continuity plan, where are your data centers located, how many points of access do they have, you know, with tier one providers. So all of that comes into play when we vet and then begin to work with a third-party provider to, to do the implementation, and then it's ongoing. Now, switching gears here a bit, Wayne, just because we are talking about fraud trends and security concerns for 2014 generally, what are your plans as far as EMV, and do you have any specific concerns surrounding fraud linked to debit? You know, certainly that's something that we've been closely looking at. Again, this actually falls in our operations area. Our card processor is aligned, and they're going through the certification process now, which our understanding is around 18 months or so. They've been a good provider. Again, we are looking at uh, certainly, you know, being very mindful of all of the regulations that come into play. But we are, you know, getting ready to move forward, and, and it'll happen, by our estimation, probably uh, later next year at the earliest. You know, we are in a position to offer not only to rely on our provider, but also we do instant issue debit as well, and we do have the facility with our instant issue debit architecture to be able to offer as well chip cards. But we have, you know, the same general concerns everyone else does. But I would say I characterize it this way, probably less on the security side, more on the operational side in terms of, you know, the ability to use cards different vendors and are they going to offer both PID and, and signature based with chip and things of that nature. 
And are those interoperability issues more of a concern, I guess, for debit than they would be for credit? Because we do have a provider that services both our credit and debit side, that I think it's, it's not a deep concern on one side versus the other. I think I would characterize it that way. And then what about authentication strategies and technologies? You touched on online banking and briefly mentioned some of the challenges there, but when it comes to authentication generally, are there concerns for mobile that you aren't facing online? Again, I mentioned COCC as our core systems provider. Their strategy is to bring to bear trusted partners and vendors that have a very tight integration, not only operationally but security-wise. Our mobile strategy going forward will be one that's offered by that partner so that, you know, in terms of offering the latest in terms of multi-factor authentication, in terms of being tightly integrated with our security around core, we don't have a lot of deep concerns, but that is because of that strategy. We're dealing with a trusted partner. That trusted partner is responsible and taking on all of that from an in-house perspective in terms of management of that. We have tremendous feedback in terms of features and functions we want to see. So the platform will be one that I think stacks up against any of the leading platforms that you'll see offered. Our biggest concern, one that we don't have control over, has nothing to do with the technology that and tools that we as an institution or our partners can bring to bear. The biggest concern is always around the person at the other end of that device and how careful they are with that device and how careful they are with protecting their personal information. You know, we certainly own a responsibility in terms of education, in terms of being able to offer all of the tools that the consumer can bring to bear. But in the end, the weakest link in any security system is always the human being. It's always the person at the end of the device, which is why, by the way, you know, from an internal perspective, we focus, you know, not only in terms of, of technology protection, but as you might expect, all of the other things up to and including social engineering testing that we do on a regular basis. <laughs> because we can put in all the, the DLP safeguards from an internal perspective, we can provide all the features and functionality to our consumers to protect their information, but if they're not taking advantage of those things, then we're always going to have to deal with some breach or some loss. And Wayne, before we close, are there any other top security trends or issues that you'd like to share with our audience? Again, I think the focus next year is, you know, on, a, on looking at, at the new features and functions we can bring to bear to, to add to what we're already doing. Data loss protection, again, is a big thing. As you bring in Newer technologies, again, everybody now I say newer technologies, but everybody is very familiar with now and, and looks for, if you go online, you're looking to do instant messaging and chat with you know people at the other end as opposed to that phone call. And in some cases, you know, one of the things that we're, we're looking to do is bring our platforms to bear next year to offer things like video and so on and so forth. But, so the new technologies, again, as we look at them, as we look to implement them, what protections can we take to ensure that people aren't exposing non-public customer information or that we're ensuring we're communicating with the right person on the other end of that communication? Again, we've just heard from Wayne Dunn of Harbor One. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.